Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassidy, one of your Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders, and you're watching the Believe in Colts podcast. Welcome back to Believe in Colts. I'm Lawrence Owen. With me, as usual, is my guy, Whoop, Donald Thomas. And today, we get Victory Monday for the fourth game in a row. What? The Indianapolis Colts haven't won four games straight since Andrew Luck did it five games back in 2018. Or, no, 2019, I think it was. That's nuts. That's crazy. And especially without top people, right? You don't have your best running back. You do not have your, you know, savior rookie quarterback, you know, and and a bunch of other stuff. But there's a lot to go over this game. What was your initial reaction after the game? What do you think of the game in total? Uh, I, I'll say every single time, divisional games are, you can't look at them as just regular games as an easy win or, um, you know, a team that's supposed to lose is supposed to, is going to lose this game. Like, it's not that when it comes to the division. I don't care if a team is 0-10 when they're playing you and, and, and you're 10-0. Like, they can go either way. They can really go either way when, you, when it comes to, to the division. We've been seeing it the past couple weeks. You know, we've been seeing the past couple of weeks. So you look back, Lions and, and, and Packers, um, and now this game here where clearly I was like, Colts are just going to run over them. It's going to be what I said, a three-score game or two, whatever I said, right? I think it said 31-17. I think that said the score is going to be or something my prediction last week. But crazy, man, crazy things happen. Um, and when they happen, I just sit back and I'm like, divisional game. Like, if it was a non-divisional game, I'd be like, this is, uh, this is, this is crazy. But Divisional game, anything and everything goes. Absolutely. And let's talk about something that we haven't been able to talk positively about all year long for the most part outside of Matt Gay. And that's special teams. Look, Matt Gay had an excellent game again, right? I mean, he had, what, five field goals, I, I believe, if I, if I remember correctly in this game. and But he wasn't the star. All right, Isaiah McKenzie had that opening kickoff return almost to midfield, but he wasn't what we need to talk about. Let's talk about those two block punts. Well, one of them technically wasn't a block punt. Because man, whatever, man. That's a, that was a block. I don't care what they say. That man. is a block punt. He got there before the guy could even drop the football. That is nuts. <laughs> yeah. They always want to be technical about something, man. It's a block punt. That is definitely a block punt. We're going to get into that in just one moment. But before we do, I got to remind everybody, BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get your latest odds, lines, matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, NFL, NBA, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember, use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So, man, you've seen those two block punts, and two guys basically went in there untouched. Which one was most impressive to you? The second one. I mean, the way he uh, he timed it up, came in there, um, the, the punter saw it, no one else saw it. No communication. The gunner, um, you know, he's supposed to scream that thing out. You know, creeper, 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 creeper. 
I don't think. And if you he, watch it, he is. He's pointing. He pointed. Right he pointed. He pointed. But I don't know how vocal he was. Like he pointed, and that was that was pretty much it. Like yo, like these dudes are eyeing their dudes up. Like mm-hmm. I got this gap right here. You got a creeper coming in. You need to make that thing vocal because he never looked over at them. They never pushed protection. Nothing. So you know, um, it was just a great scheme. Like special teams. Like you see that kind of stuff like all year. Um, where you see, like, you're, like, a special teams coach or any any type of coach, offense coordinator, defense coordinator, you see, like, there's there's a play to be had at some point this year. And you keep watching film, and especially on special teams, too, it makes it that much more finite because there's not as many reps as an O or D coordinator has to watch. And so, like, you start seeing, like, listen, these, these dudes aren't paying attention to this. They're not paying attention. Like, when you pop a, a fake punt in there and you get it for a first down, you look like a hero. This is no different than yesterday. It happened, happened twice, right? So um, crazy. But that second one, man, he timed that thing up perfectly. It couldn't have been any better. Um, that was impressive, the second one. But shame on the Titans for not communicating, too. Like, I'm just a believer of just, like, good communication. I think that's the offensive lineman in me. Like, over-communicate is always a plus. As like, Just, like, scream it out. I don't care if they know what we're doing. But just block it up right, right? Give our guys a chance. And so – Hats off to the Colts and special teams for for making those those two big plays, those adjustments in the game, and finding a weakness. That first punt was just basically the special teams, uh, the defensive side of the special teams for the Colts overloaded one side, yep. and there was just too many bodies. At that point, you just kind of feel like you got to make a wall and just hold your arms out and try to protect, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the situation at that point. Uh, when you have an overload of, of of that situation, but they were unable to do that. Guy gets in, and then the another guy, you know, basically two guys, one behind the other. One gets the block. The other one, Grant Stewart, picks the ball up. And he's like, "See ya, gone." Right? There's seven points for the Indianapolis Colts, which absolutely helped after that debacle of a two point conversion on the drive just prior to that by the Indianapolis Colts. Wow, that I mean, I I was all for going for two points on that play because I was like, all right, we, you know what, we're down five after the touchdown, two point conversion will put us up to a touchdown. Seems seems fair, right? Uh, rather than six points, it'd be. But who was he throwing to? He just threw it in the middle of a whole group of people, and the Titans just picked it off and took it up the other way. That was nuts. Yeah, it, you know what? It happened so fast. Like I literally. Got up to like walk into the kitchen real quick, and then my kids are like screaming. I look, I'm like, what? I'm like, what just happened? He's like, you picked it off and running it back. I'm like, geez, I'm like, we can't just give it back right away. Like, you know, like I'm like, oh god, but divisional game, right? Divisional game stuff like this is is like it's almost like it's supposed to happen. It almost seems like it's scripted to a certain degree. Uh, we know it's not, right? I'm gonna go on the record and say it's not scripted, but I'm gonna say that it just seems unreal. For things like that to happen, then we fast forward a little bit. Then you know something's easy as a block. I mean, a, a, a miss, a miss, uh, PAT, right? Like, which is damn near automatics for the most part. You know, um, he shanked it. I mean, he pulled that thing so far left. It was incredible. Like, I don't even know. And so then they want to blame it on you know Tannehill being a, you know the backup holder. I'm like, I, man, he just shanked that thing because it wasn't like it was. The ball's placed right where you said, right, right where we wanted to place it. The laces were out. It wasn't like a Ray Finkel job or nothing like that, right? So, I don't know, man. It was just like, okay, here we go. Still tie ball game. It's anyone's game, right? And so, then the coach just answered at the end. They, they, the last man with the ball won the game. Absolutely. Now, Minshew did have a couple what-the-heck moments like he does every game. Mm-hmm. But 
his splash plays that he made absolutely made up for it in this game, right? This was a game uh, where, yes, he had a fumble on a sack. He had that weird two-point conversion return for a touchdown. But, I mean, you look at you look at what he ended up doing. He was like 62% completions, 300 mm-hmm. yards, couple mm-hmm. touchdowns, and he stretched the field. Not just with Alec Pierce, but people seem to forget he had a couple deep shots to Kylan Granson as well, right, in yeah. this game. This was a game where the Colts looked like they were coming in and they had a thought process of, if it's there, I'm actually going to freaking take it. And Minshew looked good taking those shots. Yeah, he did. I mean, I think he surprised everybody, surprised the defense, you know, especially. You can tell that the coordinators know what, the stuff that we say, they already know it, right? Like, they don't take deep shots, blah, 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 blah. Like, you got caught sleeping. You got caught sleeping first drive or whatever, you know, early in the game, touchdown six, right? So here's the thing, like, he's an NFL quarterback. He can throw the ball downfield. He has an arm enough to get the ball downfield, right? So you got to respect it. It's just that he's made bad decisions as, you know, you know, history shows that he hasn't thrown the ball down the field the best, right? But it can be there when it needs to be there, and guys can make plays when they're when they're asked to. So, you know, as soon as Alec Pierce caught that, set, that touchdown, like, you know, the first person I'm going to think about is you, right? And so I actually uh, hopped on the live stream for for a second. I didn't say anything, but I, was, I wanted to see your expression because your live stream was, like, a little bit behind, right? So I was able to, like, like hop on and see you hadn't seen the touchdown yet. So it's kind of funny to see see your reaction to it. But I always oh, go back to, like, <laughs> I, I, right, I know, I, but it's, it's always funny to see, like, you know, go back to what I think it was, like, week two or three. You said your patience was running thin with them. And, you know, and rightfully so, but I'm just saying, like, some guys just need a little bit more time to develop, right? And so, like, when guys can get more comfortable, you know, it's, it's, it's a high-stakes game and you want, you know, results right now. This ain't basketball where, you're just, you know, you're looking for the potential of a guy developing for, you know, three, four years and it becomes, like, you know, a perennial all-star. This is like, hey, brother, we drafted you. We're, it's time to go. Like, we don't have time to be developing you. We don't have a G League. Mm-hmm. We don't have that. We don't – if you know what I'm saying? So, like, he's, I think he's really starting to kind of come into his own a little bit. Um, and he's, uh, it's, it's, he's, a, he's in a good place right now uh, in this offense because he's able to make catches. I mean, he went at three, 400 yards, right? Granted that first one was a huge bomb, right? But like he yeah, had three, 400. Yeah. So, you know, he, you know, big, like he made big plays when they counted, right? He caught the football when he counted, you know, Michael Pittman, 11 for 105. He had a big game yesterday and he's starting to show his worth. Um, you know, and so, you know, those two guys are, are the leaders on the, on the receiving core as they've been kind of all year, in my opinion. Um, so that's off to him as far as in the past game, not taking a lot of chances, but making good throws and, and, and more importantly, guys catching the football. See with Alec Pierce, what I was getting frustrated with wasn't the fact that he couldn't get open film rooms. I was watching dudes getting open all the time, mm-hmm. but early in the season, when he was targeted, he was having issues coming down with the football. You know, he hit his hands and it would come out. And that's where I was losing my patience with. I was like, dude, when your number's called, you got to make the play, right? Especially when the ball is there. And in the interview with Gardner Minshew after the game, he he started talking about, yeah, I'm starting to trust him more, basically, is what what he said when he made those passes. You know, you make plays like that. It really gains your trust in throwing him the ball in those kinds of situations. 
And uh, that might be one of the reasons why he hasn't been targeted for those deep shots when he is open downfield because Gardner did not trust him when he called his number from earlier in the season. And I think now this game could be that turning point where you might see Alec Pierce's number called on those deep shots more often now that he has shown that he can come down with the football. Yeah, I mean, look, listen, he only had three targets, right? So, I mean, he had, what, three? He had four targets. One four targets, yes. Throw. Yeah, yeah, so four. It's not a ton of balls coming your way, right? So, there's still mm-hmm. – I'm still – you're still gaining my trust a little bit. Um, and, you know, rightfully so. I, I haven't seen the All-22, but – so I can't say if he was open more than, you know, four times to – warrant him getting the, the ball thrown his way but at the same time um you know there's still not a ton of throws to him but he did make you know 75 percent of his of the, of the catches so um you know nonetheless he is in a good spot where he's really starting to gain trust I mean if this this game right here didn't gain Gardner Minshew's trust I don't know what else he can do possibly to, to gain it at this point so I would I would have to err on the side if he's going to get more balls thrown to him can he handle the workload? We we shall see because I know Michael Pittman, you know, he's gonna he's he's gonna warrant attention. He's gonna warrant double teams, he's gonna warrant a safety over the top. He's gonna get all that because he is their number one receiver. Um, and so now this is where Alec can really make some hay here of you know becoming that guy where it's like, hey, whoa, 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 you can't just forget about me because I make plays too, right? And so I want to see him get the ball, man. I want to see him make someone miss and like scoop for 50 yards. Like, I want to see that. I want to, instead of just, you know, a deep ball, catch the ball, you know, for six, I want to see him make a play. I want to see him, like, give got a shake right here, you know what I'm saying, y- yards after the catch, you know, um, get hit, bounce off, get, a, you know, 10, 15, 20 extra yards, like, get up, pump your chest, spin the ball. Like, I want to see that out of him. I think when, when you get this Cincinnati, Alec Pierce, I think it's going to be trouble. So our biggest point, if I told you, that Zach Moss would carry the ball 19 times for only 51 yards, only 2.7 yards a carry, you know, in this game against the Titans, you wouldn't think the Colts would win. And they ended up doing so. I think the Titans did a very good job against Moss. It looked like that they were really focused more on stopping the run than they were protecting against that, you know, long shot passes. I mean, even in, with the the uh, presser after the game, Mike Vrabel, was asked about that. And he says, I, I think we, we may have to start playing more cover two than what I normally do. Yeah. <laughs> he straight yeah. up said that. So uh, it kind of tells you they were more worried about the run game, even with Jonathan Taylor out, than they were about Gardner Minshew, uh, you know, burning them downfield. Well, Zach Moss warrants that. I mean, he ain't no slouch. Mm-hmm. And he's proven that the first four or five games of the season – that he can tote the ball. Uh, but here's the thing, like Tennessee's strength is up front anyway. So mm-hmm. nonetheless, it wasn't a, a thing of like they were, you know, really focused on stopping the run. Like that is where they're best at doing is stopping the stopping the run. Um, I was just, you know, like I, it's funny. I, I, I sit there and I, I like I can't call a football game offensively, but I can tell you when is a good time to throw and run the football. and. I always tell my son, I'm like, I'm like, before I assume the running back gets the ball, I'm like, it's gonna be a good run. He's like, how do you know that? I was like, I could just tell by the offensive line. When that off- offensive line gets the proper angles, they get the proper push, 
you get up just on that right edge. And it's all about like the speed of how the running back gets that football and takes off, right? If he's if he hits that thing and makes this cut, I know it's going to be a good run. And so yesterday, I just didn't see it as much with the Colts. I didn't see the push up front that we've been seeing in the previous like three weeks or so. Like I just didn't see it. I'm like, man, it's so stagnant. The line of scrimmage when when it's like this, it's a tough, it's a tough sled for anybody. But when the offense can get that push on them, just enough a yard or two. That gives that running back that extra two or three steps to hit that hole hard and get those extra yards. You just didn't see it. There was just a lot of like stalemates at the line of scrimmage. Um, it didn't help, you know, we, um, right tackle went down, you know, stuff yeah. like that. It all factors into, you know, guys having to step in. You know, you're cold. You're not confident. You didn't probably think you were playing this week. Um, interior wise, like those guys, those guys in the interior are stout. And so, like, it just, it just didn't – you just didn't get that good run flow like that we've been seeing. So, you know, the 51 yards wasn't surprising when you really kind of watched how this game played out. Luckily, uh, it, you know, Tennessee did enough to, to lose a football game and the Colts did enough just enough to win. Yeah, let's go and talk about the one real negative uh, for the Colts' defense. And it's been the negative for like the last few weeks. And that's their run defense. Look, mm-hmm. Derrick Henry had 100 yards rushing on the day. As a team, they had over 175 yards rushing. Yeah. Right. My goodness, that's that's a recipe for success every freaking time, you know. But again, like you said, Colts did enough to win the game. Um, that's that's another situation. Now that was the last game. Grover Stewart will be out for his suspension. He will be back, so that should help. But man, that still makes me wonder because during this time that Grover Stewart's been out the Indianapolis Colts we've talked about their run defense you know kind of pushing off but their pass defense has been out freaking standing let me let me let me hit you with some stats hit me so since right now in the NFL the Indianapolis Colts is tied for fifth in interceptions, second in forced fumbles, and second in the league in sacks. That is, as a defense, that right there, those are three major statistics, in my opinion. And they went from, and I kid you not, week five, they were dead last in the NFL in passing yards allowed. Now they're 15th. They made that jump. From dead last to middle of the pack in, you know, a seven-game week. I think that's that speaks volumes on how this pass defense, both pass rush-wise, you also got to remember they are dead last in the NFL in blitz percentage, 14.5%. They are the least blitzing team in the NFL and have the second most sacks. The defensive line alone has 37 and a half sacks on the season. Just the defensive line. That's unreal. That do we have the best pass rushing defensive line in football? Like statistically, it's, it's the answer is clear. It's yes. <laughs> um, you know, so like, what's my answer? My answer is going to be yes. If we're just going off of stats alone, you know, everything that you just said about the defense is a recipe for them winning football games, right? So when you have, um. You know, the front four, they can get after the quarterback. You don't need to bring anybody else in there. And the guys talk about Gus Bradley not blitzing. 
But why the hell do I need a blitz if I if my front four can do the job for me now? Everyone else can just sit back and play in their zones. And zone defense can be tricky and looting. Um, if a quarterback is think he sees one thing, you, you don't because there's a nine to out of ten, there's maybe a linebacker sitting in that zone area. There's a corner that you think is gonna be running off with the with the with the receiver and he drop he drops off in the safety. It's just you know what I'm saying? So like I don't need to be up there with the blitzes. I don't need to, you know, be up there with all these extra pressures, nor do I, I just, I'm just going to rely on my guys doing what they're, they're getting paid to do. Like you're paid to rush the quarterback. You guys are paid to stop the run. You guys are paid to, you know what I'm saying? Break up passes. And so I think now guys have really kind of started to um, drink the Kool-Aid, drink the, drink the Gus Bradley Kool-Aid, so to speak, as opposed to uh, maybe listen to outside sources on, oh, we don't blitz. We don't do X, Y, and Z. Trying to learn zone, zone's hard, blah, blah, blah. Like, nah, you just got to trust the process. You just have to trust the process and trust that the man that's been put in charge of, of leading you guys is putting you all in, 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 in a good spot each time on the field. And so I think that this is really starting to show that the Colts can play zone. They don't have to rush, you know, five guys, six guys all the time. Um, and everyone can kind of just sit back and kind of play their technique and just do their job. Just do your job. I hate to say it because everyone, this is Colts Nation, but just be like, like you know, Belichick. Just do your job. Don't do anybody else's. And when the ball comes in your in your way, make a play. The Indianapolis Colts right now are on pace defensively to have more sacks than any on the season than any other, like a record. They're on pace to get 60 sacks on the season. Even the Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis days never got to 60 sacks on a season. It's it's unreal. Now, obviously, you know, the, we still got five games left on the year, but they're averaging over three three sacks a game. That's that's it, three almost four sacks a game. That's that's pretty impressive uh, for any defense. So, um, one thing I, I do want to talk about: experience matters. Playtime experience matters. Earlier this year, we lost a lot of our starting corners, and we were really worried about our pass defense. Mm-hmm. And over that period of time, we have seen our guys get up and start making plays, learning, and and and, and getting better week after week after. Daryl Baker Jr. had an absolute fantastic job against DeAndre Hopkins. Now Jalen Jones, on the other hand, had his you know his issues, but Daryl Baker Jr. had a fantastic day yesterday and you're you're starting to see how much that experience of just getting out there and playing because these guys they they haven't had any Jalen Jones is a rookie right and Daryl Baker Jr. never took a snap uh as a as a starting corner in the NFL before this season so you're seeing these guys get these get this experience we get some guys back I think our secondary might actually be pretty good because we all know Dallas Flowers was playing excellent until he went out on IR. Juju Brents was uh, improving week to week as well before he had his hamstring issue. I, I feel like this Colts defense as a whole, we may have underrated this defense. Uh, well, I'm not when I say we, I'm saying Colts fans in general underrated this defense uh, more so than than. Uh, they should have. You might be onto something. You know, um, teams that win Super Bowls, teams that make long runs into the playoffs, 
they all have good defenses. Like there's never been a team that we always say if you can't run the ball, you can't you can't win a game, you can't go deep into the playoffs. We know that, right? The Colts have shown that they have a decent running game, right? When we get both these guys back healthy, just at the, the right mat, like right timing in the towards the end of the season, that'll take care of itself. What's going to propel this team down the line is going to be this defense really, really getting better each week, um, because you can't make certain mistakes against these other better teams. Like I know Kansas City lost, but you can't make those same mistakes against Kansas City. You know, I know that Buffalo um, is middle of the pack, like, you know, record-wise, you can't make those mistakes against a Buffalo team. And you damn sure can't make the mistakes against the Ravens, right? So you're going to have to play good defense in order to keep yourself in, in, in these football games and give your offense a fighting chance. And I think that that's what the Colts really are trying to starting to evolve into this part of the season. And it's great that's happening in December. Um, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, just a, it's a progression, right? September's, you know, Hey, we're still trying to figure out who the hell this team is. October, all right, you know, they can't do this right. We got to switch to this, blah, blah, blah. And then November, December is the time where, hey, listen, we got to start locking in. And so the, the Colts right now, you said it over the past seven weeks, went from like last to middle of the pack. But what do the next five weeks have to offer, right? We could jump up to be a top 10 deep, top 10 passing defense. Hell, this might be a top five defense overall, top three when you really want to put all the stats together with the sacks, the, the pressures on the quarterback. Stopping the run, get Grover back. He's going to take a couple weeks to really get – he's going to take like two, three weeks to get back in the game shape. You're going to see a lot of this probably, you know, coming out because you can't simulate – you cannot yeah. simulate game reps. And that's what training camp is really for, to give you that, to get back in the game shape. And he's a big man, and it's going to take him some time to get back in the game shape. So I wouldn't really expect a ton out of Grover. He, he, he'll flash now. I'm telling you what, whoever that guard or that, or that, or that center is, when he lines up his first play, you got hell to pay. I'm just telling you that right now because he's going to come off that rock and he's going to give you everything he's got, you know, those first two or three plays, and he's coming out. He's coming out for two or three plays, right? So, you know, it, it, but guys have stepped up in the middle. You know, um, I would like to see um, the forest get just a couple of – just get a little bit more active. I think, you know, they're, they're really starting to key in on, on them. I was really watching – um, reason why he wasn't getting that much pressure was because you're getting a lot of slide protection to his way. And so that's going to, you know, that's going to slow him down a little bit. And that's what they're designing it too. But it's also what's happening now is these edge guys. Now, when you slide a protection, you slide it one way or the other, that the way you slide away from now, that's one-on-one matchup on that backside. So that's what we're winning that. So and, that's people, what you yeah. and that's what people don't understand. It's like, you know, you go, oh, the forces you get all the sex, like, you understand that they're sliding his direction because the guard can't handle him one-on-one. So that's giving the guys on the outside a chance to eat. Like, you know, and then when he has to get one-on-one because you can't always just double-team him every play, he's he's causing havoc in there. So mm-hmm. that's why the coach up front are being so successful. And it's like the unsung heroes, right? Like, it just took teams a little bit longer towards season. Like, yo, we got to control the force. He's, he's kind of out of control right now. He can be a game changer. All right, we'll do that. Well, these other guys like, all right, go ahead. <laughs> now, I get to eat. I'm one-on-one. You can't stop me. I'm just going to go right by this guy. I'm going to hit him with a move. So, I mean, up, I mean, you're a dangerous, dangerous defense. And, they, and I, right now, like, honestly, the rest of the season, I mean, and you can't just give it to them, but I'm just going to – Bengals, they got hell to pay. Steelers look bad. They, they look bad uh, the other day. Falcons are the tricky team, man. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Those Falcons are tricky, bro. I just don't know what to think of them. And then the Raiders, come on now. 
And in this last matchup, so yeah. Coastal go three and one the last the rest of the season, you know, and have them right what without having what uh 10 11, and six. Well, ten and six. I'd make them ten and six going into the last game of the year. You know, and that's gonna be the game that's gonna really decide, I think, what's gonna happen in the rest of this this division with the with the wild card spot. And that's gonna be crazy. Yep. It's gonna be nuts, man. That's gonna be a game where they might have to put move that thing to 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 the four o'clock game because that's gonna be the game to watch. Yep, yep, yep. It uh, yeah, it, it seems like right now, as things are going right now, they've got two games that are flex uh on their schedule right now. So um I feel like there's a good possibility the Colts could get, you know, if not a prime time, because those flex games could happen could be moved to a Saturday. We've seen that quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Any final words about the game before we end this episode? Uh, you know, Colts fans, hang on now. You know, there's uh, – we can't get too high, right? But we can you, – you can be happy. It's Victory Monday. Um, you know, season has gone better than expected in my opinion. Um, you know, they just got to keep playing defense and, 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 and continue just to not turn the ball over an offense – and we should be in every football game here on out. My final word is we got to pay Michael Pittman Jr. He just broke the Indianapolis Colts all-time record, most receptions in his first four seasons. He just passed Marvin Harrison, and he's still got a few games left. Now, granted, you know, the last couple of years he's had an extra game to do it, but we got five games left. That counts, right, on that. So he's beat him in legit time. Yep. That's that, and to me, that's impressive. So, um, obviously, it won't happen until after the season is over. But Michael Pittman Jr., those of you who keep saying he's not a number one, I mean, he's playing like one. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I'm just saying, in general, he's playing, he's putting the numbers up. So, no, I mean, he is right. And this could be a whole other episode. And I saw I read someone's comment um, on YouTube that that could be a whole other episode. Um, it could be a whole other episode, but. You have to ask yourself, is he a number, a number one on another offense? Like another good team, is he the number one option or would he be the number two? Right. And so, like, I'm just I'm just saying, like, the Colts are going to pay him regardless. You know, like he, they're going to they're going to pay him. You have to warrant his success. His, his success warrants his payday. Absolutely. I'm not disputing that. But I'm just saying, like, I still feel like we got to get one more receiver in here, big-time receiver to compliment him. Um, and not a guy like a, you know, like a, a a guy that has, like, one year left, like, on his knees and, and he's like a Julio Jones type. We don't need that, Indy. We need a guy that's a dog. That's well, like what if team. Alec Pierce and or Josh Down develop into somebody like that? They can, but we still need one more receiver. Okay. Okay. We need three. We need three really, really good receivers. You I think. Al, I think. Huh? <laughs> I think Al Pierce can be one of those guys, but we just need one more. It's one outside source in that a guy like in his fifth, sixth year. Uh, you find like I don't know who this guy. I don't know you know who's up first race. You know all that kind of stuff or trades, and I don't get into all that. But I just, I'm, I'm just. That's just my opinion. Is one more guy. Okay. One more big time receiver in Indy, and they are deadly because you got AR coming back. It's going to be a problem next year, man. It's going to be a problem. Absolutely. We'll get into more of that on future episodes, but 
for right now. I think that's going to end it for this episode of Believe in Colts brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Lawrence Owen. Uh, that's Donald Thomas. And as usual, go Colts. Go Colts, baby. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.